This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Rick Mears chasing Gordon Johncock, and he is closing on him. Mears, one and a half seconds behind Johncock. Run! We realized as they came off of their last stops, we started doing the math on how much Rick was closing, and we thought... Get to the white flag, those two mathematically are going to be side by side. And Mears is right there, the white flag, it's a drag race, they're side by side. Johncock and Mears, Mears on the inside, Johncock, Mears, force down the little line, run. I always believe that the announcers need to be guys with passion. Those guys certainly were, and the passion came through, and the, the script was there, and we just played a part. Less than half a lap ago, Cody Johncock by five car lengths over Rick Mears, they're in the north, short shoot. sitting in Toledo, Ohio with bated breath to find out who wins. You're responsible for everything, man. Yeah, because it's the one program of the year that you realize has great significance. It's not just another program. It's the Indianapolis 500-mile race, and you can't get it wrong. Gordon Johncock off the fourth turn. Mears is right behind him. Johncock, Mears makes the try. I had my little old digital watch and for some we would been we had been timing down the intervals uh, to watch them close and i'd gotten kind of in that habit so as they came across the line i, I clicked the watch on the interval but when i looked down and then later looked in the newspaper i found out that i'd actually clicked off the uh, the exact interval i, I had it right It's always been an emotional thing with me. Ever since I came as a kid, this is an emotional experience as well. Some more mood-setting opens. That courtesy of John Day, who supplied us with a few of the remix with the great Paul Page revisiting 1982. And at the time, the closest finish in history. Thanks for joining us. Trackside 93.5-1075 the fan in Indianapolis or thereabouts. Sam Rumsa is in our Indianapolis studios. He's just left the Indianapolis Motor Speedway after the IndyCar radio practice session today. I'm Kevin Lee. I have just left the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Kurt Cavan is at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I had a good exit plan today. Uh, made nice fuel. Was a no-stopper back home and. With a good two minutes to spare. So we are ready to go. And the weather cooperated nicely. I believe it started raining tonight at about 6.03. Nice. That was it was really nice of the uh, the weatherman, IndyCar weatherman. I think isn't isn't that the Twitter handle? He he tells us precisely what's gonna happen. Really interesting day. I'm uh, happy to report that no wall contact, no incidents to speak of. But there were some people sliding around, and there were some people who uh, are going to have interesting conversations with their uh, strategists and engineers uh, during the next uh, several hours before we get on racetrack tomorrow. And we're going to get on the racetrack tomorrow with dramatically different d- different conditions. I say dramatically. It's, it's still going to be nice, but it's going to be warmer. And most importantly, the word of the day tomorrow, according to Ed Carpenter, is going to be wind. 
we're going to have gusty wind and it's going to come out of the south and it's going to blow cars down the back straightaway. Uh, good, I guess, that it'll be, it should be coming on the nose of the car into turn one. And then if the weathermen are correct in their assessment, the wind direction is going to switch for Saturday and or for Sunday. I don't know which day. One of those days. I guess it stays uh, from the south Friday and Saturday because I've already lost track of my days. And then it changes on Sunday, which will be interesting. I think dramatic is the right word for the difference because you're not only talking about uh, almost 10 miles per hour faster. So Ryan Hunter Ray mentioned that when he visited the booth for a little while that yeah, it, it goes up about 10 miles per hour, and somebody looked it up. It was eight last year. Huh? It went up eight last year, just under eight miles an oh. hour last year. What I was shown from the no-tow report, I'm sorry, from the no-tow report, it went up 9.5 miles per hour, at least what was sent to me. So maybe you have something different. You're probably talking just overall top speed. Overall top day. speed. Yeah, yeah, overall top. So I, I didn't hear how Ryan phrased it exactly. I was trying to listen on earbuds off of my phone on Peacock as I walked around pit lane, but I thought he said something like, uh, so So I don't know if he was referring specifically to no-toe or not, but that was the impression I got, and it was last year. The no-toe no report speed went up 9.5 miles per hour, and they're already a couple of miles per hour faster this year than they were last year. I think in both categories on this particular day. So we could be looking at a 234-ish type of lap tomorrow, especially when you're talking about it may be the no-toe report, but it's still probably getting just a teeny bit of an aerodynamic toe. And what may change that is if it is 35-mile-per-hour gusts, and I haven't had a chance to look at the weather forecast yet, but – uh, last I heard, you know, mid-80s to upper 80s. So if it's hot like that, that may be tough to get to. Well, you know, it's going to go up. That's the point. And it's going to go up in a in a big way. Um, so, you know, it's uh, one of those things that drivers have to deal with. And, you know, gusting wind is, is one of the challenges. But, uh, you know, the what's unfortunate is the, uh, the rookies or the guys with not as much experience are going to have to kind of deal with this on the fly. So let's, you know, cross our fingers and uh, hope things go well. So no tow report from today. Fastest willpower, 224.3. Then Renus VK, 224. Ed Carpenter, or as Alexander Rossi said, who's in the 33, uh, Ed? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. He's <laughs> up there. Then then Rossi, then McLaughlin, then Sage Karam, Joseph Newgarden, Connor Daly, Devlin D. Francesco, Colton Herta. That is the top 10. Uh, credit to Eric Smith at Eric Race Review for posting that because I that's not really ever. Is that is that publicized? Does IndyCar send that out or do you have to still find that? It's on our timing and scoring monitor in the booth. But is that now published at the end of the day? Or I think that's just from journalists that send that out. Yeah, it's 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 journalists that send it out. You can get it, uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's not, not like on the, the normal secret. sheet. Yeah, yeah, and 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 one, it's not super official on that. It's just kind of a guide, and it's not an exact science. Takuma Sato fast again, and Takuma said we didn't even do a qualifying sim. You know, so that, yeah. that kind of sh shows that uh, more important than trimming out 
and being light fuel is just being in a draft of pretty quick cars and being the right distance apart and being able to gain on a lap. So what was it today? 228.939. What's our fastest this month? Have we hit 229 yet? Fastest this month in two days, I guess. <laughs> fastest in the two days. Well, yeah, you know, I, I can find that. I, I, got it. I, I, have, I have it saved in my one note on the same sheet. So Sato went 228.9 something or other. I had scribbled on top of it now, and I can't see. That's but, right. That's so right. very similar, almost exactly the same from the top speeds from Tuesday until today. Dixon was second on Tuesday at 227.7, and today Dixon was second again. At 227.7. Do I have the same thing copied twice? <laughs> so third today was Jimmy Johnson. Uh, this can't be right. Is it the exact same order? Third on both days was Jimmy Johnson. Fourth Jimmy today on both days was Marcus Erickson. The top four are in the exact same order. Is, that, is this not right? I think you have the combined sheet uh, today, and I, I just do, grabbed. I do, I do, I do, I do. Yes, yeah. I grabbed, and it says from practice too. Okay. I grab. <laughs> wow. I grab just today, so that when you ask me, and we had a a represent a representative answer for you, Jimmy was fifth. Uh, the top five today were Takuma Sato, Scott Dixon, David Malukas. So two of the top three being Dale Coin Racing entries. J.R. Hildebrand with a really strong A.J. Foyt performance in fourth. And by the way, Dalton Kellett was 11th, so give Foyt's team two in the top 11. Jimmy Johnson with fifth, Pato Award sixth. Marcus Erickson and Felix Rosenquist, nearly identical times in seventh and eighth. Simon Pagano and Ed Carpenter rounded out the top 10. So practice ended an hour and 10 minutes ago, and I still don't have an email from IndyCar as to what today's top speeds were. <laughs> so. We'll just go to IndyCar.com. So tell me the top speeds again today. <laughs> so I, obviously I don't have them. All right. So what do you want to talk about next? No, I'm not going to IndyCar.com. It's difficult to navigate sometimes. <laughs> so Sato's best lap today was 227.5. Uh, and so, the, you know, we got a couple in the 227 bracket. Uh, several more in the 226s. You know, last year we saw an increase from Fast Friday up to uh, from the previous day. From Thursday to Friday, speeds went up uh, nearly eight miles an hour. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at, like you said, I think 234 would seem to be a, a reasonable expectation if the conditions allow. I think that's a that's going to be a challenge tomorrow, and you know, it's going to take some bravery. As uh, Jimmy Johnson said, I'm going to have to have that conversation with my right foot tomorrow because uh, <laughs> it's that's not exactly at, uh, you know where where you think you want to be. And a lot of a lot of people said today that the boost change. I talked to a lot of people today. The story will be on IndyCar.com shortly. But I talked to a lot of drivers today about you know can you do you really feel this boost increase? Uh, I know you you probably do in turn one, but through the rest of the lap, can you feel it? And, and almost to a man, they were like, absolutely. You you could feel two mile an hour difference into the corner at, when you're at speed, Colton Herta said. And and they just kept using big, big words like 
Kyle Kirkwood said, yeah, it's a little intimidating, the sound of this. Uh, Colton Herta was like, yeah, there's going to be some real real uh, gut checking tomorrow and, and on and on. So, you know, they, they've got their attention up with this, and those who have experience probably will get there quicker. And, you know, let's uh, – I think pretty quickly we want to get into the conversation about Ramon Grosjean because I think his day tomorrow could be interesting. And now I do have speeds for the day because luckily I subscribe to TrackSideOnline.com and they've sent me an email with the uh, individual speeds today and the combined and so forth. So we can look at that. And let's talk about Grosjean. He had uh, a few, as Elio would say, code brown moments throughout the day and Apparently, in the media scrum this morning, he was pretty honest about some concerns about what these big gusts win are going to be like uh, for the newbies in Fast Friday. Well, let's let's start with this morning's conversation. I had some time with him today that I don't know it was probably you know three to six minutes of conversation, and almost all of it was about you know just the changing conditions, and he didn't he really wished that he had more time. Uh, hated the fact they lost Wednesday to to rain, and he wished he'd, we'd have started at 11 today to give him an extra hour even. And so he, he just had some concerns. He said, look, when the, when the snaps come, you know, they're going to be bigger at this speed. When you, have, when you have understeer, which he obviously did in the practice session today, you know, the car was pushing up toward the wall, particularly coming out of turn one, and then coming out of turn two, he was really close to the wall on several occasions. And, and he, you know, the problem is, is as uh, was detailed on Peacock, by the way, you can watch all of Peacock, of course, to see the practice sessions and so forth. When you have an issue, you know, the issue shows up maybe at the exit of, of turn two, but you, it's because you missed the, basically missed the corner, you know, several hundred feet back. And so, you know, he was almost in the grass in turn two. And uh, as he said, to use a Formula One phrase, he said, when, when that happens, I said, what do, you, what do you do? He said, it's box, 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 box in a hurry. And uh, so they called him in right away to the pit stop, pit box, and, uh, and kind of regrouped a little bit. But he seemed to have the whole um, – he, he had that problem a lot. He, his car was clearly understeering, or at least he – he was understeering with it, so pushing up toward the wall, never touched it, but uh, I, he's concerned. He got, Not just because of the wind, uh, but he said it'll be warmer tomorrow, and then the speed increase, you add all those things together, and he's going to have to have uh, some real advice from his teammates and from the engineers tonight to, to see where he goes and, and how they go for tomorrow. But it'll be interesting to watch. And I'm not sure from listening to Townsend and Hinch and Hunter Ray that you're ever comfortable. If you're expecting to be comfortable, you're not going to be quick enough. Yeah, I had a nice chat with with uh, Montoya uh, yesterday or the day before. Or shoot, I again, I apologize for not knowing what day it is these days. Uh, but uh, you know, Montoya was was just going on about it, and he goes, "Look, it's it's pretty easy to go two twelve around here." The problem is, you know, to be great, you have to be sketchy. And, uh, you know, sketchy is hard for people to get to. He said, even it's difficult for me to get to at this point in my life. He said, I don't like twitchy. I don't like to drive the kind of car that, that Pato Award likes, for example. But, but uh, 
it's going to be interesting because there's going to have to be some bravery when the wind conditions. I think about, I don't know if it's going to be as bad as like 03 when Elio and Kanan delivered a couple of the most outstanding qualifying runs in the history of this place. But uh, it's going to be gusty. And, and if it gets really gusty, it's going to take bravery that, that uh, only a few have. So you can help me with this because I didn't get to hear all of the broadcast today. I was off today and just kind of walking around and had my earbuds in, which is difficult to hear when you're on pit lane. And I just kind of walked around and chatted with people and wandered through the garage. And and then Lee Diffie and I took a golf cart around. We went and sat in turn one a couple places for a while. And then we went out to uh, turn three. Or I'm sorry, to turn four next and then turn three. But my observation would have been – there was a little more qual sim running for I'm going to say the first two and a half hours than I expected. It seemed to me and helped me where what you noticed, but it seemed to me for a lot of teams, it was about half the day. And then they came out and all did race running. Uh, I've, I've got a thought on that, but th- did you get the same impression that we saw a lot of qual sims and how long did that go into the practice? So I did see that and I did see, a couple teams uh, spending some time. And then what was interesting for a guy who was in the race car quite a bit today, Ed Carpenter came into the media center after the, after the session, also Carl Kirkwood and Jimmy Johnson, but Ed, Ed went through almost team by team to lay out who was doing qualifying Sims today and who wasn't. Uh, And, and he said, in particular, he singled out Chip Ganassi Racing and Arrow McLaren SP, which did not do qualifying sims of any kind. Uh, so he said, look, I, I think those are big dogs, and I don't know what those big dogs have. So I don't mm-hmm. know if, if, um, if there's anything to read in that. I don't know. The one I don't know about is an Andretti. Uh, I don't know how much they did. I think they did some, but I don't know. I can't speak to how much, but Ed Carpenter clearly did, and and there were many others, but uh, it was primarily early. I I know Andretti was doing it early. I don't know if they came out again later because they ran just after noon, and then they were towing the cars back to to the garage and and coming back out. And that's why we talked about tomorrow or today when we were talking last night, speaking of tomorrow, why it was an important day because it's the last chance you have when you can work on the race car and go back to the garage and – change things and that was interesting you know parker kligerman came in the trailer and was asking about that and hey i just talked to somebody they're going to go back to the garage for like two hours and i said well yeah that's kind of what they do so i think he went over and i forget who he interviewed but someone kind of explaining that process and what they're doing in between runs uh so my thought is maybe it's just an incorrect observation but if they did do more qual sim today it would be because qualifying has taken on an increased level of importance, even though there's only 33 cars. So you're not worried about being bumped, but I, I think that teams want to get every spot they can in qualifying because, unfortunately, especially if it's hot, it's difficult to pass unless you're in the top two or three. And you, I know Sage Karam has talked about this openly, and this is a new philosophy for Dry and Reinbold, is they in the past have worked a lot on race cars, and it's no, no. One, he's tired of qualifying in the last row, and two, it's just hard to make your way up. Now, Sage Karam has been able to do it, 
you know, he started in the last row last year and what he finished seventh or ninth or something, something like that. Um, but I think that's a lot of it that we've got to get out there and get the best starting position we have. And we still got the second half of today and we've got the Monday practice and the carb day practice. I think that helps think everybody having Monday back. I think you're, they're right. I think uh, if it is hot, it'll be more challenging to pass. You know, last year's conditions on race day were pretty good and it never really got warm. I mean, hot. Let's put it that way. It never got 63 hot. degrees. 63. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It was pretty nice. And uh, so passing was was pretty plentiful. We saw, for example, Carpenter. He he had the pit road mistake and then, you know, came or and they came battling back up through the field and finished fifth. So it can be done. And we saw it from other drivers as well. I know I know Sage Karam said uh, today that that he is spending more time on qualifying than, say, his teammate Santino Ferrucci. Ferrucci's just like, I just, I'm a racer. I, I, I just, I know how to race here. I'm good at it. I'll make it work, whatever, you know, however we end up. Of course, he's 26th on the speed chart today. Sage was 30th. So if he was working on uh, qualifying simulation, he only ran 223. But, but he was um, high on the no-toe report, if that matters at all. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. But, but the, uh, but certainly qualifying in this balanced field, as it's been for, for recent years, is really important, especially if it's warm on race day. Well, Santino's another one that it's going to be hard right now to convince him you have to qualify well. He's gained 48 spots combined in yeah. three races, plus 48, you know, and has finished in the top seven uh, each year. But it's one thing to get up there to fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh, can you get those final few spots? You know, maybe if you had started five spots further, you get up there a little closer uh, and, and can get to the end. You know, what, what adds for a lot of passing in the race, too, and what's helped their cause is I don't have this. I can probably find it. But we've had a decent amount of cautions at least the last couple of years. Restarts. If for some reason you had a really long green flag run, it would get pretty processional likely. Now, maybe not always, because if you have a green flag run towards the end, you would have some that don't take care of their tires as well as others. Uh, but generally speaking, the restarts are what really lead to some uh, pretty significant action. The Ohio State uh, at Go-Kart Mozart on Twitter says, AJ said, if you ain't scaring yourself once a lap, you're not going fast enough. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, the drivers uh, that I mentioned that came into the media center tonight were all asked, you know, have you scared yourself yes, yet this month? And uh, and they basically all said, yeah, probably uh, 8 or 10, 12, 15 times today alone. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, – it's one of those t things that, yeah, if you're not scaring yourself, you're probably not going fast enough. By the way, I would say Santino of those 48 probably passed about a third of those cars in that one incident – with uh, Hinchcliffe and and others uh, being involved in the crash, but he uh, he did some great navigating that day, which earned him the highlight reel of the race. A few more Twitter comments, questions in this segment. We'll get to more in the next segment. Uh, KHB Donnelly said, "I'm just glad there was running today. I'm not sure how much more Orbeez talk we could handle." I, I believe I'm with you. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And we discussed that before the show started last night. I really don't want to start with this. Uh, but we had funny audio in the open, and it is what people are talking about. But uh, 
yeah, it's time to talk about what's happening on the track. But you, see, there, it's your fault. It wasn't going to be mentioned tonight, KHB, if not for you. So we have you to blame for this one. Brandon Fogle says or asks, what's the story behind Fast Friday and turning up the boost for qualifying? Why increase boost for qualifying when it's dialed back down for the race? I've explained this a few times over the years. It's your turn. At least I've explained my opinion on this. Well, I think it's entertainment. Isn't that your isn't that your answer? I don't know that I've ever heard you give an answer on this one, but uh, well, so so some have said this is artificial, and my point has been back in the day they turned up the boost. It just sure wasn't mandated to what level teams and and by doing so, you're taking a chance of blowing your engine. But teams yeah. would turn up their boost in qualifying and turn it back down for the race, so it could go 500 miles. Now it's just mandated by everyone uh, that you're going to be in that situation. So and it actually, it's done you know, because it we, we do like speed, even though we don't have new track records. Two thirty one or thirty two is still a little more exciting than two twenty four. So I think I think it, the name of it goes back to ninety six. I think that's that's about the point when when we started talking about Fast Friday is when Lion Dyke was was ripping off big laps. I think that's where the phrase came from. But really the process of, of turning up the boost, that at least goes back to the fifties. And and so yeah, it's not a new phenomenon. It's just new that the series is essentially regulating it. So that the And to call know, it, it Fast Friday, I guess, would also I mean it's simple now because it's definitely going to be faster. But even Previously, it was more likely to be faster because you would have teams doing qualifying sims, exactly. getting ready for for qualifying. Yeah, although I guess if I, you I didn't a, have, I think it's a great uh, marketing tool too because it's the one day yeah. people have got it in their heads that I'll, today I'm going to see something maybe I haven't seen all month, and and there is some obviously some legit legitimacy to it, but I mean the number of people that get excited about Fast Friday. Uh, is, I would argue, almost as great as people getting excited about Carb Day. It's just a different you know, name for an exciting day. I, I got a tweet from someone yesterday saying, we were going to go on Saturday. If it were to rain on Saturday, what do you recommend, Friday or Sunday? My response was essentially, well, it depends on what you want to see. If you want to see a lot of cars out on track and the biggest speed you're going to see this month, I can make an argument for Friday. You've got six hours of running you probably won't see the pack running, though, like we've seen, which I think is fun. Best best practice of the month is usually this Monday practice. I would highly encourage people to go Monday from 1 until 3 because that is race running. It's passing. It's drafting practice. Um, but but I still do really like the Sunday, the culmination of the weekend, that 4 to 6. It's nice and compact. In two hours, you're going to see 18 qualifying attempts in that time. Uh, 12 through 1, 6 through 1, to determine who is going to win the poll for the Indianapolis 500. So that would be uh, probably a little bit higher, but you can make a case for Friday being really good. Yeah, I've 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 probably gotten more excitement out of knowing it was Fast Friday than, than knowing it was Carp Day because, you know, it just – I think you throw the word fast in there and, and it uh, perks up the attention. And, uh, by the way, speaking about 18 qualifying runs – Ed Carpenter, who's pretty good at qualifying, as you know, at this racetrack, not real excited about going back to back in a very short period of time with four lap 
types of uh, pressurized run, he was like, yeah, I don't know about this one. He goes, it usually takes yeah. you a little while to unwind from from the emotion and, and the pressure of it. So he said, I, I don't really know how I feel about going back to back. You know, I've had to do it before when, when you had to make the race or, you know, you were trying to, to make the – you know, the fast uh, nine or what have you. But he said, boy, I, to go for the pole, that means you got a fast car and you're going to be sketchy. And he said, I'm having to think about that one. By the way, I appreciate Jay Fry and IndyCar listening to the show last night when I talked about we're going to probably know pretty soon uh, about what's going to happen to Cooley Engines. You were kind of nodding. So maybe you already knew the press release was written at the time that it was going to be released in the morning. You didn't tip me off on that, but I had, I had talked to some other people uh, about that as well uh, so we'll get into that in just a moment I've also had some questions about knockback brakes and I've asked some people about that and and it's um I need to know how that's going to be explained and and what what is going to be said uh, about that and and how that works because that was an issue in the race last year so I need to talk to some more people on the record uh, about that and off the record also helps as well. But we'll explain qualifying in, in just a moment and what they're going to do to to try to help people out as far as qualifying with different rest periods, for lack of a better term, between the runs on Sunday. More of your questions are welcome at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. It's Trackside 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Hi, this is Takuma Sato. You are listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Takuma Sato is fast with Dale Coyne Racing, with Rick Ware Racing. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, qualifying coming up this weekend. Fast Friday tomorrow with more horsepower, extra boost. And then coming up on Saturday, the field will be set. 13 through 33 that will be it they will not run i saw a twitter question hopefully we get to it asking if they'll get on track on sunday no no they won't get on track the only practice on sunday is since there's not a last row shootout or a last chance qualifying session uh, 13 through 33 will keep it in the barn they are not eligible to practice on sunday the only practice on sunday early afternoon i think 12 30 to 2 is going to be for the fast 12 and then four to six is the fast 12 qualifying. So something I brought up when this format was first announced a couple of months ago was, hey, one of the reasons that we kept hearing that, you know, multiple runs didn't really work and you couldn't go any faster is because of heat saturation. The engines get overheated and you're just not going to get the best out of it. You'd have to make a major improvement in aero or tire pressures, or driving ability, something else to go faster. So my concern was, oh, you're going to ask people to turn around and go again with a few, in, in a few minutes. How are you going to do that? And if you are fastest on Saturday, that means you go out last in the first round of Fast 12 qualifying. At 4 o'clock, it's the 12th fastest. So that means at around 5 o'clock, the fastest is going and if they happen to only be sixth fastest, that means they have to go 10 minutes later. How's that going to work? So we got an answer today, and or at least I, I learned officially the answer today in a memo distributed to people within the paddock. You've got this in front of you too, Kurt? 
Well, it's first of all, electronic cooling fans are going to be permitted during this time, and that will help. Uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, once the 12, once you qualify in that fast 12, your car is going to be impounded. So you won't be able to make changes until everybody's done. So that, that levels the playing field. And then once you have the fast six cars, they're going to take the pace car and, and go around the racetrack a couple times at 100 miles per hour. And those six cars uh, will follow the pace car, and that cooling mechanism naturally will allow the air to flow through the air ducts and cool the engines, and that will uh, help the situation. Uh, I asked Ed Carpenter about it today. Uh, I noticed, you know, a situation where he was might have been trying it out, and he said, "Yeah, we were trying it out," and uh, so he thinks it'll work. So, I mean, I I can't speak to whether. Uh, good, bad, and indifferent. I trust the experts on this and listen to what Ed had to say about it. So they think that'll that'll solve the issue. And that trip around behind the pace car also, one concern I was hearing about or one request is teams like to do a cool-down lap on the track. And the concern there was from the series and probably from television too, oh, wait a minute, we don't want to sit there and have no activity while someone is doing an extra lap on the warm-up lane around the track. So we want them to finish, come in, and, and park as quickly as possible. So this maybe alleviates that concern from the teams that they're still going to, to get the chance to do that to cool things down a little bit. And it's you know going to be critical for those that, that you know are one, two, three or so on Saturday that have just gone out to be able to go out uh, again. So that's one storyline from the weekend that we'll, we'll follow. Um, I don't know that there are any other real caveats of qualifying. It's going to be basically the same as it's been. You know, you can run multiple attempts. And if you stay in the conservative lane, you're not withdrawing. You can withdraw and get in the fast lane. And, you know, we'll have plenty of time to, to go through that on Peacock over the weekend. Canadian eMotorsports Network on Twitter says, any news on the video game? It was featured in the fan survey. It's a must to connect with the 15 to 40 crowd, and sim racing has exploded since the pandemic. F1 has done great, and this is important for IndyCar to provide a product for fans too. I haven't heard anything new on it. Uh, I actually made an attempt to, to get an answer. Uh, I will endeavor uh, tomorrow to do so as well. Didn't they announce? They announced a video game last year, right? That's supposed to be be, be out in the early next year. I assume that was that was the one we were talking about. But yeah, they, yeah, they've talked about it, but I haven't heard an update to know whether they're on schedule or or how it's going so forth. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be out sometime this next winter. Was the last that I heard. So as far as I know, there's still one coming, and they've done a deal, and obviously. Um, you know, once you do a deal, it takes a while to develop things. So I believe that is coming. Uh, what else have I seen? I saw several questions about uh, R next to the names. So it's been noted, I passed it along, that uh, Jimmy Johnson and Romain Grosjean are rookies. That was not in there. And it's, you know, one of those that kind of slips through the cracks. They are not IndyCar rookies, but they are Indy 500 rookies so we note them that way so i think that's that's been noted i frankly didn't notice it on our timing and scoring until some until a few different people tweeted on that 
Um, okay, there's too much minutia through there, so I need to regroup on our Twitter questions. What else do we need to address, Kurtz? Well, one thing I would I would point out, and I know we talk about Jimmy Johnson a lot, but he did get uh, an extraordinary amount of laps uh, turned today. He ran uh, – where's his lap total? He ran – 153 laps was which was basically about 30 more than most of the field most of the other top guys uh dalton kellett ran 134 laps uh and there were a few that were in the like low 120s but uh he got a lot of laps today grosjean i'm looking predominantly here at the rookies to see how much action they got uh roman grosjean got uh, 117 laps and Kyle Kirkwood, 102. David Malukas, 126. Uh, that was third overall. Uh, so I always think it's it's interesting to see how much time uh, the rookies get. Christian Lundgaard didn't didn't quite get to 100. Uh, I mentioned uh, Kirkwood. Devlin De Francesco got 110. So just good. Uh, I think I mentioned last night that the Thursday action uh, about a thousand more laps were turned on, uh, or excuse me, on Tuesday. Uh, versus Tuesday of last year. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, another 3,100 laps today, which is basically about what, what they got on Tuesday. So quite a bit of action. If you had a chance to come to the trace track uh, either today or Tuesday, you saw a lot of race cars on the racetrack and, and people making good use of the time. Uh, you know, we it's difficult to read too much into the qualifying sp- or the speeds today based on what we talked about earlier, whether or not, they were in just in in pack running or whether they got uh, qualifying simulations done. Stefan Wilson uh, did get 110 laps today. He was the slowest in the bunch, but his speed is still pretty close. He's he's you know kind of right right there with a few other guys. Uh, not a great productive day from a from a speed standpoint. Again, you can read into it what you want from Team Penske. Uh, Scott McLaughlin, the quickest on the 17th position. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, uh, way down there in 31st. And Will Power in between those two in 21st. Uh, so I thought those were, were noteworthy. Um, and we'll see how they run tomorrow with the speed. I think that's what everybody's trying to say is we'll see what the boost speeds look like relative to the order, relative to qualifying. Oh, and I remembered what I wanted to talk about. Fernando Alonso's comments, but I'll answer a couple of uh, Twitter questions. IndyCar fan, uh, we answered that one about, is there anything for 13 through 33 on Sunday? There is not. Dead on nuts on Twitter. In my mind, Alexander Rossi, string of bad luck, pit gaffes, and strategy errors. They started back in the 2019 500, leading with two laps to go. Rossi allowed Pagano to draft and pass him instead of weaving to break the draft. Has any explanation ever been given for this oversight by driver and strategist brian is the holder of such accounts uh do we know that he so he he i'd have to remember this 2019 is a while back um so we detailed that in detail i would think he spoke to that in that special that mike tarico hosted an interview with the two drivers during the pandemic in may of 20 so i'd have to refer back to that Simon aggressively defended, and others have as well in that situation. I don't know if it was a point of Rossi thought, I'll get him back again. So no big worry or not. So I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know it either. It's an interesting, an interesting discussion. Um, 
Okay, so we don't know. We can move on. Uh, <laughs> no reason to tap dance and just say, I don't know. We can do that quickly. How about Fernando Alonso's comments today from Chris Medlin, racer.com. Did you see this? I did. I did. How about just saying, I didn't make the race the last time. I'm not as good at it as it appeared I was at the beginning. These other people are pretty good. And by the way, I've got another good job, and they're not going to let me miss Monaco again. Or let's spin it to something else. Fernando Alonso says he does not have a desire to return that he once did, the, the desire to return to the 500 that he once did due to what he perceives to be the impact of IndyCar's aero screen on the racing. Um, it tells what his details are. Uh, it's less of a goal now, I have to say, Alonso told the BBC. The last two attempts in Indy with the aero screen made me feel the car a little bit different. And talking with some of the colleagues there, definitely the cars are more difficult to drive and difficult to follow each other, so it is less fun. In 2017, there were a lot of overtaking, and I love that race. There was a little bit less, less love in the last couple of years when you cannot overtake, and there is the danger factor. In the Indy 500, there are a couple of big crashes every year. Now I'm fully focused in F1, and when I stop F1, I don't know if it will be t- I'll be tempted to try again. It's not a complete no, but I would say it is less of a project. So my opinion, and I think this is shared by others, the reason there's not as much wild passing as there was in 17 and 16 and 15 is is not the aero screen. It's the other aerodynamic changes in the car that have changed, right? Because the aero screen's only been around since 20, and there wasn't quite the same passing. It's been the same the last few years, where the leaders, the top guy, top two guys could go back and forth otherwise – not so much. So maybe I'm missing something. Help me out here if, if Fernando is right. But I think this changed before the aero screen, and that's not changed the style of racing. The aero screen has had not that much of an impact on the entertainment value at the Indianapolis 500. Credit to him for saying, you know, I'm not sure I want to get hurt anymore. Although it's actually safer now than it was. That's what's odd. It's safer than it was the last time you did it. Uh, But now you've decided that uh, I'm not interested in that. I think he just would have been better served to say, been there, done that, and I've got a good job. I I don't know why. I I can't miss Monaco like I did that year, and I want to keep driving Formula One. And he said, I'm hoping to get a contract extension and continue on next year. And, you know, let's face it, if he drives another two or three years, he's – Mid-40s by that time, and that's, well, that's just the average age of uh, the, the lineup at some point now. you got four or five, six guys in that range, but you get what I'm saying. So, all good. We'll get to the news of the day and see what we've missed. Late tweets and more coming up on Trackside. Hi, this is Mark Zerickson, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I like that. And I like that uh, we've been done well to get uh, prominent drivers coming out of the break who fit the storyline. But not in this case. Time now for the Speedrome Trackside News of the Day. Saturday night's Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome, powered by Lincoln Tech Features. Family-friendly racing action, great food, free parking, and outrageous fun. Always capped off by the world-famous wild and unpredictable figure eight. Tickets start at $10.00. Kids 8 and under are free. And June 4th, the return of the crazy school bus figure 8, which, by the way, is my favorite. Insane trailer figure 8s and demo derbies. Speedrome.com. Kevin with the news of the day. 
So we haven't had a chance to get to this all week, and I actually gathered this information for the Indy Lights broadcast on Peacock over the weekend for race two, but uh, it got wet and it got wild and there was no time. So I wanted to mention the Road to Indy winners over the weekend. We saw Daniel Frost on Saturday win for the first time in Indy Lights, and then we saw Linus Lundquist win in a race that finished up in the wet uh, late on Saturday, almost Saturday night, he is the championship leader. In Indy Pro 2000, three different winners. Salvador de Alba won for J. Howard Driver Development. Braden Eves crossed the line first, but he didn't uh, pass Tech. So his teammate, de Alba, won the race. Reese Gold for Hunko's Hollinger Racing won race two. And Louis Foster for Exclusive Autosport. I apologize. It might be Louis uh, for Exclusive. He won race three. And in USF 2000, Alex Quinn swept the three races for Velocity Racing Development on debut over the weekend. And people like Kurt are asking and have been, who is Alex Quinn and where did he come from? So I'll say this, well done, young man. But it's also a little bit like Kyle Busch coming to do a truck race or something like that. He is a high-level European driver. Uh, He won seven British F4 races, which is a quality series uh, six six years ago, so he's been at this a little while. He has uh, won in British GT Championship, I think. He's won in Formula Renault Euro Cup. Last year, race in the Formula Regional European Championships. That's a high-level F3 car, so good for him, and I think it's a smart move. If your career is stalled, you get a chance to come to America at Indianapolis and show something, and he definitely did show. Jagger Jones, though, The grandson of Parnelli Jones, son of P.J. Jones, is now the championship leader in USF 2000. And while we do not promote uh, drivers coming to the Burger Bash, I can tell you that Jagger Jones will be there coming up on Monday night, as will the Cape Motorsports drivers, Nikki Hayes, Michael D. Orlando, who is also close to the championship, and Jackson Lee. So I have some influence on those drivers. And then we've already got several yeses, and I've only asked a few IndyCar drivers. But coming up for the uh, Prime 47 Indy Burger Bash, benefiting the Simon, uh, the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center, Monday night at the USAC building from, oh, about 6 to 8.30. By the way, I think we'll just have kind of a casual gathering First 15 minutes or so, kind of a meet and greet, and then we'll get the program really started, 15, 6.30, and then we'll have the radio show 7 to 8. Now, finish telling us about the speed drum, Kurt. So next Wednesday and Thursday at Circle City Raceway, that marks the return of the big names in USAC Sprint Cars, running a two-night extravaganza presented by Maston and Kane Warehousing Services, Brady Bacon, C.J. Leary, Justin Grant, Tanner Thorson, just some of the names. JMV will also be live on site on Wednesday at Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, circlecityraceway.com. Tomorrow night, we recap Fast Friday, get you set for qualifying. I saw Mike Thompson in the garage at the track today. He and Jake Query are up next, Beyond the Bricks. For Sam Rumps and Kurt Cavan, I'm Kevin Lee. Thank you so much for listening to Trackside 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.